Hi, this is Ethan and Tracy, <laughs> right? And we took a left at the valley. Ethan, you got to say it with me. Ready? Oh, yeah, that's a- one, two, three. Hi. Hi, this is Ethan, Ethan and, and Tra- Tracy. <laughs> I'm gonna say you say Ethan when I stop. Hi, okay. this is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. This is good. Hi, one. this is. <laughs> say Ethan. I'm sorry. Hey, hey. <laughs> okay, let's go on three. You you count to three, and then then I'll be ready. Here we go. Okay, one, two, three. Hi, this is this is Ethan and Tracy, and we took a we left, took a left, at, left the at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, even I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from Frosted BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and my girlfriend told me she likes toys during sex, so I shot her with my Nerf gun. She wasn't happy. Try the Hot Wheels next time. <laughs> Joining me as usual is the team who thinks Kevin Bacon refers to his nipples as bacon bits. She's trying to eliminate all cancers, and after that, I'll be all Sagittarius's Nancy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can I be excluded from that list of Sagittarius's, please? <laughs> Her therapist said, fuck to anyone who doesn't like her, so said, wow, that's a lot of sex. <laughs> Kirsten. <laughs> Actually, for me, that wouldn't be a lot of sex at all. <laughs> I get along pretty well with most people, so. All right. Ladies, welcome back. Hope you had a great week in the snow. My God, is it ever Snowmageddon on here. Was this a Snowmageddon? Would this qualify as a Snowmageddon? Well, for BC anyway, for this yeah. part of BC. Yeah. No, I was going to say not just BC, just for the Fraser Valley. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. exactly, for the Fraser Valley. And honestly, yeah. being being where we are, yeah. go one town over either direction. We <laughs> got it so much worse. <laughs> so today we'll be talking to Randolph Richardson of Canadian Atheist. That's going to be in the second half of the show. But first, before we start, we still have our... Uh, we love getting mail from our uh, patrons on uh, mm-hmm. Patreon. Uh, this is um, from our friend Freethinker215. He says, Good morning. Thanks for the shout out in truth and transparency with Ethan Dodge and Tracy Harris. I enjoyed hearing that Tracy has been up to. Her presence is sorely missed from the atheist podcaster community. I agree. Uh-huh. I also like the great things Ethan is doing in shining sunlight in the darkness of Mormonism. Keep up the excellent work. Oh, good. Nice shout-out to them. Yeah, if you guys didn't hear the show last week there, that is really a good show. You need to listen to that one. Um, I think uh, it's it's one of those shows that uh, what Ethan is doing, uh, uh, along with Tracy there, is really, really uh, an an interesting thing to do, and I think you really should. They're basically shining a light on the hypocrisy of not just the Mormons, sorry with the Mormons, but, you know, on a whole bunch of uh, religious outfits, and you guys really need to listen to that. Yeah, they need uh, they need listeners and donations, and so if you advocate what he's doing, put your put your donations where your mouth is, I mm-hmm. guess. Hmm? And this is from our friend Adrian. He says, um, I say, say, hi, LETV. Uh, recently finished listening to the latest episode where Brexit came uh, came up. As a Brit, I feel the need. I, uh, I feel the need to add to your description of what's going on to happen. 
<laughs> then all caps, we're all going to die. Uh-huh. On a more serious note, I have been an ardent rem- uh, rem- uh, remain- uh, remainer and despair at Britain's current direction under Boris Johnson, or his full name, Alexander Boris the Pethel Johnson. He comes across as a bumbling idiot, but he's full, uh, but he's in a... F- affectation uh, like his name and messing up his hair up before public appearance to appear like a common guy instead of an intelligent and self-serving British version of Trump. At this point, I'm close to wanting to hard Brexit to happen and at the worst to occur and at the uh, end the worst to occur so they can see how bad an idea would be uh, it was, but that would cause pain and suffering to many people. I would like to add that the occupancy, Occupy Wall Street movement seemed to start uh, the growing displeasure uh, at the inequality of wealth distribution. The existence of billionaires and the Mormon church having $100 billion as, uh, is, to borrow a term from Christina, is gross. Another podcast pointed out that the Mormon church could solve homelessness in the U.S. for $20 billion or build a four Golden Gate Bridge every year on the uh, interest alone yeah. in a country that's been uh, that has, uh, failing infrastructure in which the church doesn't contribute to. He's absolutely right. Uh, I feel like billionaires only care about their money and image. <laughs> no shit. Absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Jeff Beatles, for example, has contributed less than five minutes income to the disaster in Australia, which is less than than uh, what three women raise uh, by selling news on Twitter. <laughs> you guys hear that? So yeah. Soon? That was a good story. Uh, when the swing, uh, when the swing, the, the world uh, seems to have. With the swing, the world seems to have taken to the right. The disparity looks like it might get worse before it gets better, which is frustrating when the billionaires and churches have so much money, which could make so many uh, worldwide problems so much better. Um, on a lighter note, you mentioned smog guarding the Mormon horde. <laughs> like a suggestion for a tweak, where smog breeds fire, it would be better uh, guarding the Catholic horde <laughs> with their pass of burning heretic and all. <laughs> Adrian, you're absolutely correct on that. The Mormons should be guarded by an ice dragon where they have an irrational dislike of hot drinks. Solution, fire and ice <laughs> cancel each other, so we just need to get the Mormons and Catholic Church to fight. <laughs> mm. it's a genius hey, idea. He had fun writing that one. Yes. Thanks for sending it. And finally, I have, a, I have to, uh, just got back from a weekend in Cardiff where I saw and drank at my first Tim Hortons. Happy mm. New Year, Adrian. Thank yeah. you so much, Adrian. That yeah, was, thanks. That was really, really good. Hope you enjoyed Timmy's and had some Tim bits. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's get in to chit chat. All right, did you guys hear? This is from Forbes magazine. Um, a, a Credit Suisse uh, wealth report uh, now says there are actually more poor people in the U.S. than China. Isn't that incredible? No. And, and well, China. This is the this is the country where they still have sweatshops. And now apparently there's more poor in the, the U.S. than China. Now there's a bit of a distinction here. Um, they say basically the report says there is no one in China that's in the bottom 10% of the world population by wealth. But there is in the U.S. Now, the U.S. also has 30% of the richest people in the world. Mm-hmm. But China has only about about 8%. So uh, but this is also wealth, not income. Okay, So this is like your assets minus your debt measure. Now, it's not how much money you're actually making at your job. It's your overall wealth. So we're talking about all those... <laughs> student loans. Yeah, ex- that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's, it's how much money, how, about, how many assets you have versus how many debt you have. Uh-huh. And it seems the people in China are actually better off now than the people in the U.S. So, you know, I wonder if the Americans are tired of winning so much, you know? Well, you know, one, one way to look at this is how many people do in China are living 
if you can call it living, on the street and are homeless versus how many in the U.S. are homeless. And, you know, uh, this is this is a really a way to gauge but, the, but, the wealth in, in, because if, if people who are homeless gather, I mean, granted, people have drug problems and so forth mm-hmm. and so on, but that still means that there aren't enough support systems yes. to deal with it, which means the money isn't going going there but if there's not enough housing and and people can't afford housing mm-hmm. then i'm still on the on the, the the side where yeah we've got more poor but uh, you, this, this should be a wake up call I'm to not america. we the us yeah this should be a wake up call to the americans because th- this is china is not a first world country not mm-hmm. yet, I don't think. But the U.S. is. You know, this yeah. is, you should not yeah. even be close to this. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, this should be a real... You know, you can actually skew the numbers in a way and say, well, if you yeah. look at it this way, you know, this guy's making more money, but it, yeah, but he's got more debt and he's got more problems too. Well, yeah, and if you this, look at anything through rose-colored glasses, it's going to look different. Exactly. This should be a real wake-up call to the, 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 the inequality in the U.S. and how your, your capitalist system, and uh, this is one of my... This is my personal view. I really think that we've reached we're reaching the end of what capitalism can bring to us as a society. We might actually have to think of a different system soon. But anyway, I thought this was really uh, eye-opening, you know. And this is from Forbes magazine, you know. It's not not like from BuzzFeed, you know. And this is actual real, real uh, reporting. So this is very interesting to see how the Americans are going to react to that. Uh, did you guys hear that the average, speaking of uh, American costs, the average administrative cost for the uh, the healthcare in the U.S. is actually $2,497 per person per year. And if you compare it to Canada, it's $551. So this is uh, was published as the Annals of Internal Medicine. So the, uh, the, the whole idea that uh, we can't afford... The universal health care system in the states, it's, it's false. It's actually false. When you're talking about administrative costs, are you talking we're about talking government about, administrative costs? We're talking costs about anything that has uh, has nothing to do with hands-on. You know, it's not your doctor. It's it's the administrative fees. It's the, uh, the, somebody at the reception desk and all that. All these costs that you have to incur, especially mm-hmm. as an American, you know, to, to process the, the healthcare system. Yeah. So in, in Canada, it's five hundred fifty-one dollars per person. In the U.S., it's twenty-four hundred ninety-seven. Oh yeah, because there, there's all kinds of insurance things they have to. There's always a middle person. Yeah. There's always a middleman. Yeah. There's always yeah. a middle. And every little, every person, there's a little cost for everything, and everything needs this other thing, and that thing has a cost too. So they have to hire people to handle it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the, the whole idea that yep. you know, we hear from the Americans right now, especially during the, uh, the election year, about they can't afford universal health care, that's bull. That's complete bull. It'll be cheaper for um, them. In 2007, this is a bit dated, it's already over 10 years old now, there was a study by Canada Healthcare and the U.S. Center for Disease Control, they found that the wait times in the countries are actually similar. Uh, the, I'm sure there's some disparities here and there depending on what the the, 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 the disease or the what you're seeing the, the doctor is for mm-hmm. but overall it's similar 17% of Canada's national expenditures go to the healthcare system in the US it's 34% which is twice mm. So much of it is, of course, are lost in marketing and the salaries So the US is wasting at least $600 billion on healthcare paperwork $600 billion. Think about it this way. You, they could solve most of their infrastructure programs with $600 billion. Oh, yeah. I mean, Social Security and Medicare in the States have to spend a lot of admin. If they uh, didn't have so this. A lot of it. If they didn't have this kind of paperwork and are incredibly bloated military, mm-hmm. you know, the roads would literally be made of gold in the States. They really could literally be. 
You know, and, and it's just absolutely amazing that they, the, the Americans don't seem to be able to see that for some reason. Nancy, maybe you can speak to this. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, my, my sister-in-law, who um, in another couple of years will be on, on Medicare, she owns her own, own business, <clears throat> has for a long, 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 long time, and even going through Obamacare on the exchange or whatever it is to get the best rates for her insurance, she's paying $1,000 a month. For Amazing. A thousand. My daughter, who um, uh, was was laid off of one job, and it took her quite a while to get another one, had to get um, insurance and pay for it out of her own pocket, and it was seven hundred dollars a month when she was unemployed, so that she could keep Jesus. up, um, you know, her her health care. So if if she had a problem, at least she could afford to go to go to the doctor. Maybe not a hospital stay because every every plan is different in terms of how much they pay but when you look at those costs and they're driven by admin costs yes, and so forth yes, and yes. so on um, you, you you look at the people in the states and say you're defending this? Yeah, Are you yeah, exactly. crazy? Exactly. It's like being unemployed if I had to pay $700 every month on top of my rent on exactly. top of helping with the car yeah. on top of groceries on top of what Any groceries? You're assuming you didn't have room yeah. left over to eat? The animals that I have, like, no, no, I'd be going down. Like, there's not no. enough to go around if that was the case. You're, you're homeless with the cats and the dogs. Yeah, yeah. And you can see how easily a, some situation like that would make you turn to crime just to support yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. I'd be like, Grandma, I'm moving back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that people turn to crime. It's that they get so sick that they die yeah. because they can't afford the medications and they can't afford but, but, you know, going to a, a doctor. So they go to the charity hospitals where they get sometimes okay care, sometimes substandard, and then they have to go back and wait for 18 hours to get... At any rate, I... My rant is over. Let's move on. It's just, yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. Anyway, ho- hopefully yep. Americans are going to see, because, uh, my God, they, they, they can do so much with what they have. Yeah. Um, and this is from The Independent. Uh, <laughs> Mango Mussolini, you know this guy? Uh, yeah. His supporters, Trump supporters, apparently share more fake news than all other audiences together combined on social media. That's uh, impressive. This is a study by Oxford yeah. University. Uh, they, they basically uh, followed 13,000 Twitter accounts and 47,000 Facebook pages. 96, 96% of the, uh, the pages that were Trump support on Twitter uh, were sharing fake news. Uh, sorry, on on. Uh, on yeah, on yeah, on Twitter. They were sharing fake news on Twitter, essentially. And it was 91% of these pages on Facebook. Many of these people, uh, I, if, if this is too harsh, la 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 for a little bit. These some of these people do not know truth from fiction, but they're going along with the program because that he's their guy. Yeah, yeah, it, he, it's exactly that. It's it's almost like a like a hockey game or something like that where you'll root for your team no matter how. Even if, I have always used that analogy too. Let's say for example you're I don't know you're you're playing basketball and you're rooting for this team and you it's your team and you see one of your players making a blatant illegal move. 
Well, are you the one standing up and saying, hey, wait a minute, our star player just made something very legal. That goal should not count. No, you're not. You're going to shut up. You're not going to say a damn word. But if the other team makes that same move, you're going to be raising hell. You're going to be saying those umpires are so against us and blah, blah, blah. And this is what we're seeing in politics, and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. If you're truly an enlightened person, you have to be able to give credit where it's due. Yeah. I might not be a big fan of our prime minister, but, you know, when he makes a good move, he makes a good move. And even our previous prime minister, which was a conservative, I was staunchly against him. When he made a good move, and I'm trying to scratch my head as to what he did, but I'm pretty sure he, once or twice he made a good move. And you have to say, well, you know, that is an actual good move for the country. So you look at it as it is, not yes. as you want it to be you look at it as in like these are the facts they're like the world is not black and white the world is all varying shades of gray the partisanship has to stop at some point and you have to you know use logic and facts over this this nonsense and you're right these these trump supporters you know half the time they don't even want to listen to anything that's good i mean people have such a hard time with that though like dealing with looking at things so like impartially without being like but 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 my side of things but to you to keep using the analogy of the the, the the sports team does it really surprise you because when you look at sports fans and uh, let's get back to a football game for example and you look at sports fans they will do crazy crazy things to support their teams oh, all know, the I've rituals seen, yeah i've seen i've seen i've seen people wear nothing but speedos in freezing weather and body paint just to support their team so if you wanted to do that for a sport those are the canadians how how well not just canadians <laughs> the Americans too. if you wanted to do that for a sport just for a team that you have nothing to do with besides cheering them on on tv or uh, at a show how in how what are you willing to do for a politician you think would actually make your life better well, that's a great question now that the Senate is having their trial. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it really that far-fetched to think that somebody's going to try to be partisan to the point of taking a gun and going to a pizza place because they heard fake news and they try to shoot up the place to try mm-hmm. to free some kids? Mm-hmm. No. No, it's not. not. This is the country. danger of fake news. Yeah. This is, and for for American listeners, if you have to, uh, I have to remind them that um, fake news is mainly an American phenomenon. Because this is the de- this is the the, uh, the product of Ronald Reagan deregulating the media in the 1980s, and I believe was actually uh, further deregulated by Bill Clinton too. I'm not sure on that. Some, somebody might have, want to correct me on that. But and uh, this is when business became news became business. Right. And entertainment. And entertainment, right? So it was not about, you know, what's true anymore. This is when you lost Walter Cronkite and all that. It wasn't about what's true anymore. It was what sells. Uh, in Canada, we didn't have that. Now, the reason that fake news still kind of sort of happens in Canada is because these media outfits are struggling for funds. So when a story happens in the States, they don't necessarily have the funding to send a reporter from the CBC to go check the story. So they'll call something like CNN and say, what's the scoop? So they basically repeat what CNN basically says. This is how fake news affects us in this country, but this is not where it starts. 
I think you got to put social media. I mean, leaving the Russians and their disinformation aside, but you really have to to look at the rise of social media, where people will say, "Oh, this came from Billy. This came from uh, Annie," and I, I they wouldn't put anything on social media. They wouldn't put anything on their Facebook page that isn't true. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I never knew that. So now they send it out, and now you have a whole group of people that really don't understand the. The power of a source, they understand the power of a friend yeah. who's telling them something. And you lose the ability to think through you're looking at and what you're hearing and, and what's being said. And once you give up your intellect and go for fake news, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Doomed, I tell you. All right. Well, thank okay. you so much for that, ladies. Nancy, <laughs> you got a top ten for us? No. Oh, well, oh that's fake anyway. news. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we get into that, I got to say, if any of my friends ever hear anything from me and you think something's off, bring it up with me. I'm not going to bite your head off. I'll probably think about it and be like... Right there, that's off. Well, look at You're it. not going to bite your head off? Bullshit. I call bullshit. That's fake news. You will bite your head off. My mouth isn't that big. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Here. All right, here you go. Top ten. Here we go. Okay, this is kind of this is kind of fun. Um, a lot of people collect things. They collect cars. They you know collect books. But a lot of people collect toys. Or sometimes they have toys that their kids had and they put them in the basement or they put them in a big box. And then those toys are sitting for a while. Oh, I wish I did that with my toys. But. Some of those toys um, and some of those things that people collect are worth a lot of money. Oh yes, and so this is a this is about twelve top toys that are worth a lot of money that someone who's listening may actually have in their basement or in their attic or sitting on one of their shelves because they think it's really cute. <laughs> so I don't think this is real fakey fakey, but because there there are some numbers to show that there there are some pretty good prices being paid. So these so, are these are toys that essentially have become collectors items. Yeah. These are toys that may or may not become collectors items, but they're they're so rare or they're so um, uh, historically interesting that they they've come. So yeah, you can you can you can use anything, any you know any any standard you want. They're worth money. Okay. Okay. Here's the first one. Never heard of this toy at all. Do you know what a Tamagotchi is? Yes. Oh my god, oh. Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Well, that there was I am. Literally okay. like. Elementary school for us. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. Well, it, it was a little screen. It was essentially the first virtual pet. <laughs> exactly. In the so in, in the in the 1990s, more than 75 million of these things were, were sold worth um, worldwide. They were invented in Japan, and it was it was a pet housed in a handheld device mm-hmm. that you'd feed and play and nurture and have a wonderful time it was with. So stupid. Uh, they they might have been stupid. Um, they even had a movie that they made a movie in 2007. But today, the first issue Tamagotchi devices, and that's from 1996, 1998, sell online in great condition, 300 bucks. Wow. So would you pay 300 bucks for oh, one? Oh, God, no. Oh, well, no. I thought it was stupid back then. I mean, you, you, if you had one, you'd sell it for 300 bucks. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. If you think about this, though, think of... These are toys, so kids are going to have them. What do kids do with toys? They destroy break them. them. Yeah, of course. I was one of the rare breed of child that didn't destroy my toys. 
But this was this this was this was the Tamagotchi was that that pet. Yeah, you, you start with an egg. Yeah. Then you have to you have to. Pay attention to it, eventually hatch, and then eventually once in a while you have to keep paying attention to it because otherwise it would die. It was like a, yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Interesting. How to be, how to create addiction in a video game? Right there is the Tamagotchi yeah. was that. Well, if you have one, um, fairly recently there was one that actually went for four hundred bucks on eBay, so Jeez. you can sell it, or now you can start looking for them and see how much they they're they're selling for. Okay, here's one. Every this is number eleven. Furbies, everybody remembers the Furbies. Yeah, they're Creepy pretty recent. Hell. Yeah, they they debuted in 1998. Tiger Electronics. They were sort of a cross between an owl and a hamster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like a little robot type deal. Yeah. So they were the must-have toy for kids from 1998 to 2000. 40 million were sold um, in less than three years, and they just couldn't keep up with the band of them. They tried a revival, but the, the revival never never amounted to to a whole lot. But if you have an original Furby made between 1998 and 2000, 500 bucks. Originally Damn. sold for 50. That was a lot of money. That well, still is a lot of money for something that may not last. Is, I'm pretty sure I've seen garage sales where I've seen these damn things just lying there. That's the, you know, that's, the part, that's where you want to find them. Yeah. I used yeah. to have one, I'm But these sure. are the toys where the parents were running out screaming at the last minute because uh-huh. they couldn't find them. Oh, you know? yeah. And they were, you know, grabbing and clawing and <laughs> having having a the wonderful time royale. being good examples for their kids. Okay, here's a little different one. Super Soaker. Oh, yeah. The Super Soaker water gun. They're still around today, but they're different. They're made by Nerf, but <laughs> the the Super Soakers are now more elaborate. And oh complex. yes, they are. Yeah, <laughs> and it's because they look like high tech weapons. Anyway, the Supers, the original <laughs> simple ones, 1980s, early 1990s, and people are willing to spend 500 bucks oh. Super Soaker, and and you know, some people who really are driven by nostalgia paid as much as 600 for a super soaker. Now these are in really good condition if it's in the box or original it's even it's even more. So which is why they're so rare. Yeah. We used to so, have so many water gun fights as kids. Yeah, so everybody go through your I've got a couple of water guns still. Little tap and little captain pull under your gun there and a little pistol you had. Yeah. Oh, you shoot that all over the place. Mine's one of the bigger pump ones. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Number Never had that much money. Number nine, we're talking big bucks here. Mario Kart 64. Really? Yeah, you know that uh, one? Yeah, of course. <gasps> I do not have the Nintendo that. 64 uh, uh, console, and they had Mario Kart, and it's a classic game. I have Super knows. Mario 64, but not Mario Kart 64. Sadly. Yeah, there was the Mario Kart Super Mario. There was all kinds of, but it's the Mario Kart. That's the version of the game most prized by collectors. Wait till you hear the price on this one. Um, it, it, it had different playable characters and so forth. Mint condition, Ooh. original copies, sold on eBay, da da, twenty five hundred bucks. Used Not copies surprised. of the game, fifteen hundred bucks. Still, <laughs> still, yeah. Used in unblown cartridges. 
Wow. I mean, the condition. I mean, it's like anything else with antiques. Condition, condition, condition. Yeah. But yeah. even so, if you don't get the full 2500 take the 1500 and run. Yeah. I know. I recently went through some of my uh, GameCube games that I have. And I'm like, damn it. All the expensive, more expensive ones I have are all my favorite ones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of, speaking of favorite expensive, Beanie Babies. Oh, yeah. the Beanie Babies. I still have some Beanie Babies. The, some some are worth more than others, just yes. depending on. Um, Humphrey the Camel and the Camel Beanie Baby have sold for two grand. The special edition Princess Diana Beanie Baby, mm-hmm. three thousand. What? But the most valuable Beanie Baby is the Peanut Royal Blue Elephant, which has been bought for. Five thousand bucks. Because there was a manufacturing error, and two thousand of them um, that were the royal blue. Um, they were the ones named Peanut. They were manufactured in a color that was darker, and so those are rare. So if you have one of those, wow. that, you know that hasn't been played with, and the fur is missing. Hold on, I gotta go back there. You, you have a princess die. Beanie Baby? There was a Princess Diana Beanie Baby. Yeah, but they're usually depicting animals. Would they have a depiction of a person? I I don't know. I didn't look it up. I gotta look this up. Yeah, look it up and see. I know. I have one. It's a little cat, a little gray tabby named Silver. Uh I remember the name correctly. And I've still got it somewhere, but that I have had that for as long as I can remember. Hmm. Good shape hasn't changed really much as far as i can remember yeah, yeah. you ought to look it up just to just to see because some of them are you know some of them they have so many and they're still around but there was a real frenzy i think several years ago because they were um they were going up in in value and they had some that were made more recently and people yeah. were getting ripped off and so forth anyway number seven pokemon cards yep of course. I, I, I mean, if you think baseball cards are worth a lot of money, oh, no. these are one of the biggest crazes in history. They were huge. 1996, originally issued in Japan to help promote the game, the video game. And then the trading cards took on a life of their own. By uh, 2000, major tournaments uh, began springing up. By 2003, there was a huge demand for them. And nowadays, let me turn oh, my page here. I've got the Beanie Baby Princess Diana. It's actually it's a it's a purple teddy bear. Yeah. Aww. It's, it's not a picture of her. It's a purple teddy bear. I guess maybe she had a purple teddy bear for herself. And, I, don't I don't know. know. Anyway, the Pokemon older cards from the first set mm-hmm. in the 1990s, ten grand. The Raichu card, you know that one? Raichu. Our, Raichu, yeah, yeah, ten thousand. Would you pay that much for? No, God no. But the funny thing is, is I can I can remember when these cards came out and people thought this is just stupid. The whole Pokemon craze everybody thought was just stupid when it first came out. Well, yeah. People are starting to know. Okay, um, Lego sets. Oh yeah. boy. Twelve grand. The 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 the, the older ones. It, Lego started in you know what country? 
Germany. Denmark. Denmark, I'm sorry. And they have a Legoland. I've been to Legoland and I've seen what they you know, what kinds of things they can do. It's you'd think going to Legoland would be very boring. It's not. It it's like it's a lot of fun. really extremely interesting and the different uh, buildings and, and statues and it's other pretty, things. Uh, that, it's it's enormous. Uh, you know, you, it takes you, you can stay there for a couple of days, really. I mean, I've, seen, I've seen like full so size cheap set, car replicas yeah, with Legos. But you can you can get a cheap set now for you know about a hundred bucks or more. But the vintage and discontinued ones go for a lot of money. Um, they started in 1949. I didn't realize they went that far back. Wow. But they're sort of a multi generational toy. You know, everybody can can enjoy part of it. Um, so the the um, Lego brand is the world's most popular brand. Yeah, and in 2015, the asset value consulting firm uh, brand, uh, they named whoever it was, named Lego the world's most powerful brand, replacing Ferrari. It's a lot of money. Wow. Of, yeah. Since 1949, 60 billion Lego parts have been produced, and there are six Legoland amusement parks around the world. So anyway, getting to the price... Um, a rare space Lego set from the early 1980s, five grand. A discontinued pirate ship from the early 1970s, ten thousand dollars. And a Star Wars Millennium Falcon mm. set, oh. mint condition, twelve thousand on eBay. Not surprised Jeez, on that Christ. one. Yeah. Okay. Next. Star Wars action figures. Oh boy! Oh, oh I'm going to have regrets here. Yeah, I don't even have to oh. go into the history of these. We all know it. Anyway, um, a plastic Millennium Falcon toy that had pieces missing from it sold on eBay for three hundred and fifty oh. bucks. <laughs> I had that. I had that. <laughs> Well, oh. maybe maybe you still have a Luke Skywalker action figure from 1977 in its original case, twenty five thousand. Don't feel oh, bad about the three fifty. <laughs> they had they had these. I mean, the the, the the figurine, the original figurine, they only bent at the waist for the legs there and the arms just on the shoulders. The old fashioned. And, and they had this stupid little lever underneath the elbow, and when you pulled it along, this lightsaber would come out of his hand, kind of thing, right? There was this little piece of piece of glowing plastic that would oh come out. Oh, my God. Uh, and it was really, really bad. It was so bad. But it's so retro, it's good. Yeah. Yes. Okay, number four, Pez dispensers. With no the candy. way. The Pez, yeah. These people are really rabid uh, collectors. The they're not just candy dispensers. Like they're works of art that need to be appreciated and carefully preserved. So they, they started in 1927 in Vienna. So they still remain a global phenomenon. There are new ones all the time. But the older ones are, are the ones that are worth money. Uh, 2006, a super rare Pez dispenser known as Astronaut B that was created for the 1982 World's Fair sold for 32000 And the most coveted Pez dispenser is the 1955 Santa Claus head, which is speculated to be worth as much as 50000 Oh, Pez Spencer? Can My you, God! I can just imagine some poor grandparent who yeah. accidentally leaves his the door to the Pez collection, you know, oh. shelf open, and the grandkid gets in there, opens them all, and sitting there munching on the candies. The Pez, Hi, yeah. Grandpa, thanks! Oh, uh, God. Anyway, number three, we'll biz through the Atari cartridges. Oh, no. Oh, the old no. Atari 2600... Oh. The, the 2600... <laughs> 
console? You knew that one? Oh, well, I had one. You had Kevin's oh. dying in the corner over here. Oh. Do we need to prop you up before? Oh, you might need to, yes. Okay. Um, the, the market crashed, and, and still there's a lot of nostalgia for the 2600. A mint condition. At, um, Atari 2600 and the complete set of all the games published for the console, 565, well, has been sold online. Uh, 108,000 books. Oh, my God. But that's the whole... Yeah, that's a lot of games. There's a lot of games for Atari. Yeah, that's a lot of cartridges. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. But still... They they sold to Trammel Technology in 1984 for 50 bucks. Jesus. Because it was... Yeah. (laughs) Can you get it back? (laughs) How long ago did you get rid of it? Oh, yeah, well, that was the I mean, I'm sure I've still got a Sega Genesis kicking around somewhere. I actually have a uh, original Nintendo... I have in, nice. a, in a toad right here, mm. you know, with a couple of games on it. So you have to look it up now that we've done. I might have this to. One. <laughs> this this one should interest you, Kirsten. First edition Monopoly game. There we go. And, and, and they're still the board games. They're really popular. They started in 1933 at the height of the depression. Have about five, seven different versions. Yeah, it looks of it. much the same, and people <laughs> people love it. Um, the uh, original cloth hand drawn version. Oh. Made in 1933 by Charles Darrow, the inventor, sold for 146,500 bucks in 2011. Vintage versions uh, from the 30s have sold for as much as 5,000. Oh and God. special editions of the game uh, regularly trade hands on the internet for hundreds of bucks because uh, it's all about money anyway, right? Oh, you'll you'll know that. This is why you can tell that Monopoly is a, uh, a game from the past because there's still a luxury tax. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. that you don't really have anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I have about seven different versions of Monopoly, I think, and I do not own the original. Yeah. No, they're, I don't know whether they're, they're either, you know, destroyed or very carefully preserved. My first one was the uh, Disney one, Disney Monopoly. Yeah. Mm. It's still a fun game. I mean, I get bored about halfway through, but anyway, okay. Anybody want to, anybody, who wants to speculate on what the highest um, uh, selling or or highest price toy is and what it might be worth. I'm going to guess that it's a Hot Wheels or a Matchbox race car. Ooh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. I have no idea. G.I. Joe. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. Of course it's G.I. Joe. Oh, They've been making them since 19... Yeah, I... I, I the original G.I. Joe. The original, yeah. yeah. 1964. They've had a lot of incarnations and a big family um, base and conventions and so forth. A, a, a Cobra missile command center toy set from the 80s on auction sold for 17500 um, a lot of the in- individual characters uh, 10000 but it's the first edition G.I. Joe from the 60s yes. a prototype yes. G.I. Joe from 1964 named Toy Soldier mm-hmm. sold on eBay for 200000 bucks oh, in 2003 <laughs> now it's it's important to remember because if if you're if you're my age you're a kid from the 80s and 90s there uh, there was a G.I. Joe cartoon and they came up with a whole bunch of figurines that were about I don't know 6 to 8 inches or tall like that that's not what she's talking about she's talking about the original doll which is like a, about, a, about a foot tall or something like that and actually you could dress it up and 
It was an original G.I. Joe because the thumb, one of the thumb was backwards. The thumbnail was on the back part of the thumb. This is how you actually know it was an original G.I. Joe. There was an actual defect that they kept to identify if it was an original one because there were so many copies of that doll made at the time. Yeah. Interesting. And he had a little scar under the eye or something like that. There was some distinct mark that, that this is a actual G.I. Joe doll. And mm. the, the thumbnail was on the back of the one of the thumbs. I remember that. Oh. You know, listening to any list like that, and you're just like, oh! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not the G.I. Joe uh, sets that you we had from the 80s cartoons. Before that. Yeah, it's before that. You know, you could actually, they had these little military vests, you could dress them up, and little pants, little belts, and everything. So that was the original, original G.I. Joe. Uh, yeah. I mean, my kids grew up in the in the sixties, so you think of oh boy, if we just put oh. some, but it, but you buy the toys to play with them, and you know, six months later they're destroyed, and you who knew that they were going? There were some collectors, I you know that that put things back because they say this is going to be the next best thing to put away, and people do put things away because they're part of history. But uh, I oh. never was smart enough to do it. Also, as an FYI, if you go on Netflix, there's a the show called The Toys That Made Us. It's actually it's a little series of little documentaries that explain the origin mm-hmm. of certain toys that we grew up with. It's really, really interesting to see where these toys came from. And I was, some of them was just complete boondoggle gong show. And But, you know, they were toys from our childhood. It's really interesting. Anyway, hey, moving on. My dear Kirsten, you have another brilliant moment for us? Yes, I do. Brought to you by religion. Okay, so... Anybody take a guess who our first story is about? The swooshy lady. Woohoo! The swooshy lady. Cat Kerr. Oh, yes. She has a new ama- a new announcement to make about heaven. Oh, oh we've wow. been waiting for this one. Yeah, breaking news. I know, it's been a while. We've it turns it. out there are special balconies in heaven, wow. lots of them, and your dead relatives use it to spy on you. But <laughs> only, only when you want them to. Huh? And this is all a fact. There's even a painting of it, apparently. Extra, extra, special balconies. Now in heaven, on sale. Buy now, all you can. <laughs> so, Kara explained what's going on during a recent live stream. And she says, And right now, I want to show, just to bless you, if you've never seen heaven or anything that really exists in heaven, we're going to show you a picture of a, of a place called the portal. She took a picture of some place in heaven? It's like a painting. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, okay. Because those are never fake. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> Literally, there are, these are all over heaven, and God made them. So your family members and friends living in heaven can go to this place. So God's a painter. Apparently. Oh, wow. They walk up these steps, and they can look over a balcony, literally, and they can see you on this earth. Wow. Now, I will say this. They don't see any horrible things happening to you. They don't see the disasters. They get to see things like um, marriages, babies being born, important days of your life. When you said, I wish my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother, you know, so-and-so, you wish they could be there. Wait a minute. They certainly will know about it, and they will not miss your special days on this earth. Hold on a second. That's so so good to know. So if they see only the good things, what happens when they're taking a peek at you and something bad happens? It says, like, please stand by, buffering, loading, please wait. Maybe that's the secret. When you go out there, you forget that God does bad things. Oh, I see. Say only, only the good things. Only good the good things. So, what if you have like a really, a really bad month? 
a really, really bad mother. They're so, never there to help you. They yeah, just want to see the good stuff. It's like stuff. you don't see you for a month. Well, I don't know. The, the, the cloud is the cloud. The, the TV's been foggy for a month. No, no. Let's face <laughs> the it. From the balcony. No. Different relative. Yeah, your relatives do not. They do not want to know that. They do not want to no. support you. They don't want anything to do with it. They had enough of it in their own life. They just want to sit on the balcony, have their iced tea and margaritas, and and watch you. Only good news. Have fun. Yeah, oh my yeah, goodness. You, you have a problem, you can't count on any help. No. Actually, my, the funny thing is, my mother, when I... I well, told Jesus her, is supposed to help you in the bad stuff, Yeah, right? well, he doesn't yeah. have a whole lot. Yeah. You can't even drive properly. Didn't you hear he was shot down by a missile? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, my, my own mother, when I confronted her, and she's talking about heaven, I said to her, I said, well, so if you're in heaven, and I'm going to hell as your son... How are you going to be enjoying heaven? Oh, God wipes your memory. <laughs> well, ain't that a nice peachy keen thought? Well, if wipes your memory, that's not really you now, is it? That's probably it. You're sanitized. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. God is sponsored by Pine Sol. Sanitize your memory. Yeah, that sounds a little too close to the Cybermen for me, so yeah, no thanks. You get, a, you get a halo and a wipe. When you get <laughs> Wait, the minute you go to heaven... <laughs> <laughs> Down the assembly line. <laughs> it's like those chickens go for process. They put the hang upside down in front of in the bath there. You can hear the music in the background. <laughs> As they wipe your memory. <laughs> Come on, nice and shiny with a pair of wings. <laughs> oh. Oh, I tell you, it's so good we got the swishy lady to protect you from fake news. <laughs> That's a good thing. God bless her. Any more from Ketker? No, not from her, but I do have another story. Oh, okay, go for it. Uh, I really should have ended with this one because this one's. That's okay. It's just going to make you go, why are you so fucking stupid? <laughs> uh, Whitefield Academy, a private Christian school, expelled 15 year old freshman Kayla Kenny for having the odd. Uh, to celebrate her birthday with a multicolored cake and wearing a rainbow sweater. Oh, hold how on. dare she? A 15-year-old girl wearing a rainbow sweater? Woo, stop the press. It's a Christian school. Oh, my God. Because everyone knows what that really means. Oh. Yeah, we know God is gay. Oh. He's the one who created the rainbow, apparently, so he's totally pro-LGBT. She needs that sanitary wipe. That poor girl. What, what's next? School needs it. What's next? They're going to say God hates strawberries, and they're going to banish every little girl that likes strawberries? Like, Sto- oh. Not too low. Goodbye, <laughs> strawberry shortcake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the girl's mom, Kimberly Alford, told the Louisville Courier Journal that she had posted that picture from a birthday dinner on Facebook only to have the school's leader, Bruce Jacobson, tell her that her daughter was being expelled. Uh. Alfred said someone shared the Facebook photo with the Whitefield Academy officials. And in the email, Alfred said Jacobson wrote that the picture demonstrates a posture of morality and cultural acceptance contrary to that of Whitefield Academy's beliefs. Demonstrate cultural acceptance contrary. contrary. Think about what he's saying. Cultural acceptance. My God, like and some bad follows thing. two years of lifestyle violations. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know, I if I was the father of that child, you would have to hold me back from punching that guy's lights out. Literally. I would yeah. actually, I would probably actually, be, and I am not happy to say this, I might actually become violent to hear something, some guy say something this stupid. And like, just to be clear, in this photo, 
all it is is a girl wearing a rain sweater with a rainbow on it. Like every other sitting little behind girl. A rainbow cake with candles. Show me That's a little it. girl under Evil. the age of 15 that doesn't have a rainbow outfit anywhere. That's Show me one of those. Yeah. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen that. Right? Yeah. Earrings, too. Nancy's wearing a rainbow right now. <laughs> I have earrings that have rainbow peace symbols all along yeah. them. Yeah. I, have you ever seen a little girl that doesn't have a rainbow t-shirt, yeah. a rainbow something, I a rainbow backpack? Rainbow, unicorns, glitter. Yeah. yeah that's it. Every I, little I, girl. I think we need to go to the school with several buckets of paint and paint a rainbow <laughs> on the sidewalk. That's what I think. The, the heck with punching him out. Let's go paint a rainbow right on his... Can you, can you imagine you get you get some spray painters, a couple of trucks with spray painters, you spray yeah. paint the entire school real quick and we're able to Can we throw some glitter on it too? Because that shit never oh, goes away. Oh, yes, yeah. I love it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. Heaven forbid I should ever become a millionaire because <laughs> I yeah. would do that kind of stuff so badly. Oh, so many people just <laughs> so have glitter So what happened to this poor child? Well... The school later said that this was the tipping point after two years of continuous violations of our student code of conduct. But if we're rainbow, that's a, that's a violation. <clears throat> like, what else did she do to pro- provoke their wrath if all she was doing was wearing a rainbow sweater? Uh, she culturally accepted people for who they are. <gasps> oh, forbid. So the only concern they bring up is the girl was caught with jewel pods in her backpack. So like little tobacco-y type pods or whatever they are. I don't know. Um, I looked it up. That's how I have something of an idea. So I'm like, what the hell are those? It's like a like tobacco tin. Yeah, they're they're the they're, they're the company now that's being targeted for vaping. Probably like va- something like vaping? that. Like it's a like a little. Oh, it's a vaping thing. Th- something like, like that. Yeah, I, I think so, but I'm not well, she's sure. She's 15. No yeah. surprise. Right, like it's. But both school officials and her mother agreed to put her on probation for that one. Huh. And apparently, wearing the sweater on probation was the last straw. The last straw that broke the rainbow-colored oh, camel. Yeah. Uh, it's all especially unusual when you consider how Christian fundamentalists like Ken Ham cons- constantly remind us that they're taking the rainbow back because it represents the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. Of all flesh that is on the earth. You know, I hope these people die and then wake up in their heaven and God is, comes in with, like, super flamboyantly gay. <laughs> I hope this is what they see. <laughs> Just to hear him scream. So is he going to have a flogger or a cat of nine tails? <laughs> it's got to be a rainbow color <laughs> cat oh, of nine tails. Yes. sure. That'll really freak him out, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, the family appealed the school's decision, but the appeal was rejected. They merely downgraded her punishment from expulsion, um, which might have looked worse on her permanent record, to voluntary withdrawal. The yeah. good news, the family has now enrolled her in a public school where yeah, she can exactly. get a real education. Exactly. Oh. There, there you go. Get out of the school. Go to a real public school where they will teach you what comes naturally to every person. You need to accept people for who they are. That, that family's going to have to be going through a deconversion Yeah, well, you know what? The, the Christians should keep doing these stupid things because every time they do something this stupid, it just makes secular, secular life look better. Didn't I tell you you'd be calling them stupid? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You called it right on the nose, right on the nose oh. of that one. Thank you, my dear. Really You're appreciate welcome. that. Oh. Like rainbow sweater and a rainbow cake. Scandalous. 
scandalous. Yeah. I, yeah. Indeed. All right, so let's take a quick pause right now. When we come back, we'll be talking to Randolph Richardson, and we'll be talking about Canadian atheism. Oh, I'm looking mm. forward to that. So stay with yeah. us. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. People like Ray Comfort are fond of saying, what use is half a wing, right? Have you ever seen a f***ing penguin? <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Bible, the Old Testament, which in Genesis is an account of nature. That's, that's what that is. And I said to you, give me your description of the natural world based only on this. You would say the world was created in six days and that stars are just little points of light, much lesser than the sun. And in fact, they can fall out of the sky, right? Because that's what happens during Revelation. So it's even right that means you don't know what those things are. You have no concept of what the actual universe is. So everybody who tried to make proclamations about the physical universe based on Bible passages got the wrong answer. So our next guest on the show is Mr. Randolph Richardson. He is the president of Canadian Atheists. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Mr. Randolph Richardson, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on your program. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've actually said Mr. Randolph yeah. Richardson. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's optional. <laughs> All right. Mr. Richardson, maybe for our audience that might not be familiar with your activities, maybe you'd be so kind to give us a quick bio as to who Randolph is. Okay, so the uh, the Canadian Atheist is an organization that I started a few years ago to um, bring like-minded people together who are basically like-minded in, in that we don't believe in deities, and to do things like countering efforts by anybody to vilify atheists just for the fact that we don't believe in deities and I uh, because I do find that it is a bit of a problem here in Canada not to the extent like we see in some other countries such as the US uh, but we, we do have some of it going on here too in Canada and I, I figure that if we can counter those bad arguments now uh, before they manifest into something much larger and much more difficult to to deal with um, then we're being kind of preventive in a proactive way. 
So there's there's that part of it. We're also concerned about uh, the rights that people have here in Canada. We we like that there's freedom of expression, freedom of conscience, freedom of uh, association, and uh, and various other rights, including freedom of opinion and uh, and whatnot, and that everybody's equal under the law. That there's no discrimination permitted here. Uh, this these are wonderful things that we have in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. There's a part of our Canadian Constitution, and uh, very, very important to uh, to the future of our society. Um, they're important now as well, and uh, it's uh, it's it, when I see things going on like favoritism being given. We had a Department of Religion uh, back, back uh, many years ago, uh, I guess within the last decade or so, um, to uh, uh, which is a completely nonsensical and useless department um, of our government put in by um, a political party that's very aligned, very strongly aligned to the right-wing uh, uh, religious conservative types. It was, uh, to me, I was thinking that shows favoritism to a specific group that really I would consider to be unconstitutional. And so it's things like that that we want to stop. Um, there was a, a gentleman in Ontario. I'm sorry his name escapes me. I wished I remembered it. Um, but we do have a link to the petition on our website at canadianatheists.ca. There's um, uh, this fellow. He started a petition with the with our parliament, our, our federal government, to remove or to redact some section of the criminal code uh, which uh, which made blasphemy illegal. Mm -hmm. I call them anti-blasphemy laws. Now, there's a distinction here. I noticed a lot of people are very sloppily calling it a blasphemy law. To me, freedom of expression is a blasphemy law. It is pro-blasphemy. The correct usage of the term should be anti-blasphemy law. And uh, just, I like to try to be clear with terminology. And so, these, this is a minor point. But I, I know when most people talk about blasphemy laws, they really mean anti-blasphemy laws. But the 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 success of this petition was that um, uh, was that the outcome was that those laws got redacted from our criminal code, so it is no longer illegal in Canada to to blaspheme. The um, uh, and that's just within the last few years that this happened. So it's 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 a wonderful uh, wonderful improvement. So I was promoting that, but uh, I wasn't an official um, participant in this or anything. I was just like another regular lay person. I never did get to meet or correspond with the person who started uh, that petition, but I'm, I'm grateful that that he did that. It was uh, it was wonderful. Uh, it was a very important effort for, for our country and for everybody's rights. Um, such a law, any kind of anti-blasphemy law here in Canada would be illegal according to our Charter of Rights and Freedoms anyway, mm -hmm. uh, because we do have freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of opinion, and, and whatnot. It's about time, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, as far as I know, nobody's actually been charged under the anti-blasphemy section uh, within the last hundred years. I don't know actually, further they, back. I, believe, I believe they actually tried when they released uh, uh, the uh, Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian. I believe that's the well, only time the the law was actually almost tested and tried. Well, you know, almost. So almost. it wasn't actually. Okay. No, no, no. Actually, of course, it, it, was, it. it was completely ridiculous, too. I mean, my, <laughs> I think at some point people have a bit of common sense. <laughs> so it sounds like the lawyers chose wisely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Now, I, <laughs> you got the reference there. <laughs> no, no. Uh, 
Um, Randolph, I, I gotta ask you, you know, because there's there's always, you know, a lot of our audiences from the United States, a lot of our audiences from Canada. So uh, on this show, we end up doing a Fantastic. lot of a lot of comparisons. Hello, there's, neighbors. Hello to our neighbors in the U.S. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, it's it's yeah. amazing to us that in a country like America, which of course has a, a very secular constitution, but they are. Very, they're probably the most religious country out of the G7. Yet, in Canada, does actually have an appeal to a deity in their own constitution. Yet, is much more secular than the U.S. Now, I know you're not a historian, but in your in your opinion, what happened between our two countries for Canada to take the path of secularism and for the U.S. to hold on so tightly to uh, their religious values? Uh, I think it all just boils down to the people involved. We're living in democratic systems, so uh, our demographic makeup and whatnot. Um, you got to remember, the U.S. is also a much larger country, so uh, population-wise, not geographically. Geographically, Canada's larger, just a little bit. So, um, But uh, uh, um, from a, a standpoint of population, the U.S. is much larger. So you're likely going to see a lot more people... Um, banding together in the U.S. to to make certain effort, efforts come true, uh, whereas here in Canada, it's also much colder here, so we tend to stay, uh, tend not to get involved in a lot of the things so much, and we're a little more laid back. I think another part of the issue, too, is that in the U.S., the political system, there's really just two major parties to choose from in their elections, mm-hmm. whereas here we have about five, and uh, they're all significant. Um, even the Quebec uh, the block in the Quebec is only uh, in Quebec, but it plays significantly uh, a major role in our politics here, yeah, federally. So, people here, I think the difference culturally um, that flows out from this is that we have a perspective that we're all just really generally used to being. Uh, having a lot of different choices and not bifurcating, not having this um, uh, false dilemma of only two parties in a way. Well, it's not a false dilemma in the U.S. if you've only got two parties to choose from, but um, it tends to, we tend not to be so polarized in our thinking because we have so much diversity here and variety. Uh, We also have kind of a multicultural kind of approach to things, which I really like because we're not shutting down different um, in a multi melting pot type of attitude um, saying, okay, you're Canadian now, you have to leave your old culture behind. Um, it's not valuable anymore. Here's your new identity. We don't do that here. Whereas um, my understanding and from what I've seen in the U.S., it looks like that happens an awful lot. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be so much... Um, enthusiasm for multiculturalism in the U.S. and there's more of a multi-part melting pot attitude where people are uh, they come into the country and they have to become Americanized. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are cultural differences. I'm not quite sure how it started, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of the early reasons we broke up is because there were these kinds of differences in opinion and different approaches on how a society should be run. No, I think you're absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, I was uh, kind of taken aback this week when I was uh, reading a post from a, an American that basically was uh, uh, saying, you know, the, the differences in Canada, when you're an immigrant to Canada, you don't refer to this person as, I don't know, an Iranian come to Canada. They refer to them as new Canadians. Yeah, the new Canadians. And I thought, you know, the, you're absolutely right. It's a term I hear on, the, on a constant basis. You're a new Canadian. You know, you're not necessarily Indo-Canadian, Iranian-Canadian, you're new Canadian, and I think that's the most... These these little subtle things in this country makes it maybe why the multicultural experiment 
seems to have worked in Canada, where else it's failed, seems to fail in the States and places like Germany and some parts of Europe. Yeah, you know, we have different cultural uh, attitudes as well. Like, mm-hmm. we have, uh, we're part of the Commonwealth and the U.S. is not. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that influence as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, when we we talk about atheism in Canada, um, let's face it, we don't have nowhere near the kind of battle that the atheist groups and American atheists and all these these groups have to face in the states. So, when, yeah. when, what what battles do we face here as Canadian atheists in this country? <clears throat> well, there was one uh, a little while ago. The uh, Trinity Western University oh, was. Yeah. Uh, was violating our charter rights by um, actually uh, uh, they were violating uh, uh, quite a bit by uh, also uh, and I had talked to people at the law society about it more kind of behind the scenes at, uh, before it had uh, really gone to all the lawyers to do their poll on it and decide uh, and make the vote for what the law society should do. I, I, um, I think I think before you go on with that, we should explain to our American uh, listeners the Trinity Western uh, Trinity Western University is a Canadian university, a bit more like Oral Roberts, something like that. They're a religious university, and they were trying to open a law school within their university, but the problem arises that uh, when you're students at Trinity Western University, you have to sign what they call a covenant, and the covenant basically states that you cannot uh, basically uh, have a, a Extramarital, um, uh, sorry, you can't you can't go on relationships if I remember correctly, or well, gay relationships. Gay relationships. And, you can be gay, but you, you can't have you can have sex if you're married, but yeah. you can't if you're if you're single and, and, and stupid stuff like that. And they were they were applying uh, for uh, opening a law school at that, uh, and then the uh, bar association of BC and others in the country started to come out against it, and and it was a whole kerfuffle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, basically, the court has come down with the, the side of the lawyer says, no, you cannot open a law school at Trinity Western University as long as you have that covenant. That's where it stands right now. And and what my understanding is that it only got so far in the courts as being uh, to do with limiting freedom of uh, conscience, freedom of religion, uh, which are rights here in Section 2 of our Charter. Now, the uh, uh, they didn't explore another aspect, which I did raise attention to, which I, I suspect was probably not brought forward because um, unless it, it was kind of like a, a secret weapon to bring up later, perhaps, um, which I saw under under our system, mm-hmm. everybody's equal under the law, and that is in our charter. I can't remember offhand if it's section 7 or 15, but um, what that means is everyone has equal ex- access to the law as well. That's also stated. And by Trinity Western University putting this in, they are in effect putting in a filter and limiting who has access to our legal system because our legal system includes education in law. And as I understand it, there's a limited number of seats available for the number of people each year who, a maximum, who can become lawyers. So if they're going to be accredited as a uh, as a law university, then they need to make sure that they are also operating uh, consistent with our charter and not discriminating against people. So what ended up happening, the outcome, I'm not completely satisfied with it, although I am satisfied uh, to the degree that that there was uh, progress, because for their law program, they don't have the covenant as a requirement, but for their other programs, they still do. So that still violates Section 2 of our charter. No, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's very interesting. 
Yeah, so I think this battle needs to continue, and uh, it's uh, it's an important one. It, it, this needs to be challenged again. Um, I did at one point before the first uh, instance of them being challenged. I did offer to uh, go up in a public debate with their law professors, and they never responded to me. So I, I don't know if they got the message or not. Or oh, I'm sure they got the me. message. They just don't want to debate because they. they I, I don't know whether deep in their hearts they realize they're going to lose because, you know, secularism says it's inclusive. Everybody has, as you say, access to the law, and there's nobody that should be discriminated against because of their gender or their sex or their um, origin, or, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And they realize that they're not going to change. They're, they are not going right. to remove that. And so why should they debate? Why should they debate? Besides, God is on their side, so they. they I also, I also think for them, it's also a business decision, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, you, you 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 want a piece of the pie. You don't necessarily yeah. want to have access to the entire pie as long as you have a piece of the pie. And I think that's how they look at it. You know, as long as as long as oh. they can make money with the law school. But they have to have legitimate access to the pie. They can't say yes, we're inclusive except for, and we really don't want any um, any gay people on any. Uh, administrative boards that we might have. We don't know whether we want them to represent us mm-hmm. in any. There's always the possibility that there the discrimination is there because they haven't removed any of the limitations. Well, but this is the same argument as people that would say, for example, that if you use a to, to, to use a metaphor here, let's say, for example, you denied access to a school, a law school, to people that are black. Yeah, saying you know, exactly. I, I don't care if you deny people that are black because at the same time, there's a huge. A plethora of white people that can come to the school anyway. So, you know, uh, for them, it's a business decision. As long as they can make their money with that school, I think that's what they want. Well, it's a biblical decision as that well too. as uh, a... a um, that's that's the shield they hide yeah, under. Exactly. You know, the, 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 bibli- the biblical. Yeah. Yeah, capitalism I see as uh, as problematic for democracy because uh, a capitalist, a true capitalist, uh, wants to operate without regulation, and a democracy is uh, one of many forms of government that are intrinsically um, duty bound to protect citizens, to protect populace, mm-hmm. and so. The government has to regulate. Otherwise, you have a problem where uh, big, strong capitalists can oppress the weak and uh, the the those who especially are not educated in the law. So we have to have these regulations. We have to have minimum wage. We need to have social programs to help our citizens yes, and things yes, like that. Yes. And uh, conservatives don't seem to understand. They don't seem to get that. <laughs> Well, I think some of them do, but they don't like it. Like they, they, like one of the excuses I'll hear from capitalist types is, "Well, you can't measure the profitability of a social program. <laughs> it's not meant to be profitable. Why does everything have to be looked at in terms exactly. of profitability?" Exactly. Yeah. This is exactly what I say yeah. when they always say, "Oh, you need a businessman to become the prime minister." Government is not a business. Government is not about making right. a profit. It's yeah. about taking care of the people. So. Right. <laughs> oh, right on. Right. I love you already, buddy. You and I are becoming good friends real fast here. <laughs> We're hey, I look forward to actually meeting hey, you folks in like, yeah. person one day. Looks like yeah. Kevin may spring for lunch if we ever get together. <laughs> I'm liking this. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> might take a while. I'm broke as hell. Right <laughs> uh, well, so, we have to wait for well, the snow to melt first. <laughs> yeah. So aside, aside to the Trinity Western, um, uh, one of the things that we've been uh, seeing a lot on the show lately, and we've, we've had a couple of times a, a gentleman by the name of Luke Ferrin uh, that came on the show, and he was... Uh, 
he's from Alberta, and he talks a okay. lot about uh, the, uh, uh, the religious schools that are funded by the provincial governments. Is that one of the battles that Canadian atheists has a tendency to keep an eye on? Uh, we haven't been, uh, but we do have somebody who's talking about something similar with, he, he's currently uh, uh, in the process of obtaining statistics on which, uh, and we're paying for part of that. Um, BC Humanist is also contributing, and uh, and so is this fellow out of his own pocket. Um, we're uh, getting uh, statistics from our BC government, I think it's a BC government um, on, uh, I might be mistaken, it might be the federal government, but uh, either way, he's getting statistics, at least on BC, on uh, what, uh, which churches are getting tax-exempt status and uh, trying to come up with uh, with some numbers and uh, on what all this means. Um, uh, by the way, Canadian atheists, um, one of our um, internal policies is that we do not Ask, uh, we do not uh, try to get um, tax-exempt status for being an organization um, that's promoting not believing in deities, and so we're not we're not going that route um, because I, I think that is really not a it shouldn't be considered a valid reason. What people believe should not be a valid reason for granting tax-exempt status. If you want after the show, uh, Randolph, I'll try to get you in touch with Luke Feverin. I think it's a really good person that you get. You, you two need to talk. Uh, he's doing a okay. lot of work in Alberta, and he's actually oh, like, fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah. actually extremely popular on social media right now because he's put out a whole bunch of tweets and stuff like that, and people are just reposting left, right, and center. So he's actually a good a good resource for you and him to get along and, and touch together. Um, when it comes, Thank you. To, I look forward to that. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, the Canadian atheists, do you guys sometimes feel that you know you might be? playing in the shadow of a group like American Atheists. I mean, the American Atheists is known throughout the Atheist movement, but Canadian Atheists, we don't really talk a whole lot about that group. We, that, this is our fault because we haven't done enough marketing. Um, and small budgets are, are a big part of the problem with that, a big part of the challenge for us because we're a new organization. So, um, but we do have people who are signing up for membership, uh, $42 per year. And it's, uh, that's all been extremely helpful because it gives us uh, uh, the funding that we need to, uh, to start doing some more marketing and whatnot and, uh, and be more active in, in these things. We also have people who volunteer and help us out, which is, which is great. We are federally registered. We are, we're officially all set up with the government. So um, there's, there's that. I don't feel that we're in the shadows of the American atheist because uh, it, just like I wouldn't feel that there are shadows if uh, things were the other way around. They are um, they're an American organization that is specifically uh, for Americans. Now they'll they do take membership from people all over the world. So do we, and um, we also I suspect just like them, I, it's probably the same thing. We don't care if uh, it, it's no concern of us whether our members are religious or not. Everybody's welcome to join. Um, the things that we're promoting are we're. To clarify, we're not um, saying that religions shouldn't be part of Canada. Uh, they shouldn't, and religious people shouldn't be religious. We're not make. We're, that's not the message we're putting out there. What we're doing is saying that everybody's free to not believe in deities and not partake in religion, and uh, and this is part of the fundamental of the definition of the word atheism, mm -hmm. which means an absence of belief in between all the different uses. So we're we're dealing with the fundamental of what atheism is, and so because of that, uh, while it can be held as a position, we regard it as a classification. 
Um, it's it's the default. It's how we're born. We're not born with any belief in any particular deities or any deities at all, because you have to first have a concept of what a deity is before you can believe in it. It doesn't have to be a complete concept either. It can be a conceptualization. It can be a, a, a vague, uh, partial conceptualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's uh, these things are all people's options, and we don't want to interfere with any of that. We just want to make sure that these things aren't being imposed on people, and that people have the freedom to make these choices for themselves. Well, I'm glad you guys are sticking a different path than American atheists, because mm-hmm. then you'd have to have some kind of sexual scandal with you, and then <laughs> we'd have to fire you, and all that stuff. We don't want to get through that oh, mess. <laughs> oh, I'm happily married, and I want to keep... I'm, I'm happily married, and I, I intend fully intend to keep it that way. Good, good. The, good. Uh, <laughs> there's... Um, uh, that kind of stuff, I don't really want to get into those no. things with the other organizations because I don't know the internal particulars of it all. I, I haven't looked at the cases. I don't know the details. Um, so because of those reasons, I think it's better not to get into it. However, I can tell you if uh, there was a problem with somebody involved in our organization doing stuff like that, we would definitely be taking care of things to uh, to, to handle them in what would be the we think would be the most appropriate way, and uh, that would involve kind of reviewing what the different policies are that different people do, and and taking immediate action on it. You know, we we can't support any kind of abuse of anybody, sexual or otherwise. No, so we we won't send Kirsten your way either. She's she's a bit of a sexual predator. So. What? So <laughs> so so if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, um, I'm I'm Jewish. Um, there are people, you know, all over the place who are Christian, Hindu, whatever religion they are. We could all become uh, members of um, Canadian atheists if yeah. we support the idea that regardless of what religion we are, we need to respect and not impose our belief on anybody else. So we respect. We, we you, applaud. You, we applaud your. We applaud your goals, and we're part yes. of the goals, even though we don't consider ourselves atheists. Sure, yeah, Great. and because uh, the one of the most important aspects of atheism, uh, of secularism as uh, I understand it, and that I think is very often missed in the public eye, is that secularism is actually beneficial for both religious and non-religious people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because it's about, its emphasis, underlying emphasis is impartiality yeah. and support for freedoms. Oh, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, Randolph, you know, when you when you're, you you see uh, Canadian atheism all across the country, um, we at the show have seen a bit of a resurgence in politics, especially in the conservative side of politics in Canada. Um, I I, I, I kind of describe it as, you know, they, they seem to be wanting to take a page from the Republicans' playbook in the States, and they're rehashing, you know, some people are like, uh, what was his name, that guy that just quit, Andrew Scheer, he's talking about re-bringing back the abortion debate, and you have a couple of MPs in the background that talk about all this stuff. Uh, how, how do you guys view the situation? Is there really an appetite uh, in the conservative side for really trying to bring back religion in the, in the, in the, in the public, uh, in, in politics? Oh, there definitely is. I uh, I know many people who are religious and who are very uh, have a, a very strong disdain for the federal Liberal Party and uh, are very strongly in favor of the Conservative Party. And I think that the reason the Progressive Conservatives have this resurgence is because they are um, 
they're very one of the advantages that I see in the U.S. that the Republicans have, for example, is they can very easily get a lot of religious people to follow and go and vote for them because all they have to do is go to the church and the church says yes we're very well aligned we're on the right and so let's uh, let's make sure we remind everybody to get out there and vote to protect their religious their religions and and when you see how strongly polarized it is in the US I do see a little bit of this polarization here and my understanding of the progressive conservative party and I I find the term progressive conservative to be an oxymoron by oh, the way sure um, mm-hmm. seems to be a bit of a contradiction because <laughs> you're trying to bring people back to the dark ages and that's not progress that's that's change but it's not progress yeah. Um, yeah. it's uh, there's my understanding is it used to be two different parties that amalgamated and that way they had a much larger base and were able to do this so when you see a a group that can't just easily go to church groups and get large numbers of people who are already ready mobilized to go out and vote it seems to me that the parties that are not aligned with religions have a much more difficult task ahead of them of uh, of getting people out to vote and and winning uh, in these elections. So when I see numbers like uh, with our federal our federal liberals versus the uh, the other parties, I'm thinking you know uh, like such as the progressive conservative party. I think wow, we're actually doing extremely well. We're reaching a lot of people. We're putting a lot of effort into it. So. Hmm. Excellent. And I, I do, I do worry about our future. I am very happy that we have a lot of different uh, parties involved now. I, I do favor coalition governments because historically, it's coalition governments who seem to get a lot more work done, get a lot more things accomplished because they have to work together, they have to discuss things, and then because of that, um, what the constituents want becomes a little bit more important as well. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, we've we've seen that. It's actually, the, if you look at the political history of Canada, it's exactly that. When you have a governance in minority positions, they have to work across the yeah. aisle to get things done. And actually, more work actually gets done. Contrary to the popular belief that only a majority government can get things done. No. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, for people who favor dictatorships and authoritarianism, um, that view would definitely be appealing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually think that the uh, the parties, political parties, are a detriment to democracy. No, I, I think it's, it would have a tendency to be. The reason is because they divide people, uh, the politicians themselves. They divide their loyalties between the party and what its designs and goals are, mm-hmm. and its and the constituency. Mm-hmm. So you know, really, if we're true democracy. What the constituents want is what should be most important, what the voting public wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even those who abstain are, are valued. I have always voted, but I mean, the people who don't vote, they're, they're, their voice is just as important as well. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. So, so Renolf, what what's coming on the pipe for Canadian Atheists, the, the, the organization? What are you guys up to? What you, where is there anything that we helped you guys work on or anything we can spread the word on? Wow. Well, um... Long-term goals, very long-term goals. I would like to uh, set up some kind of a an annual conference, but I, I, given our current state of funding, I think that's 
quite a number of years away, unfortunately. Um, and I don't know how many years. Uh, that That's something I really love to do because it can bring people in from all over the world and bring in professional speakers. And uh, uh, I would want to do that with a goal of making it very affordable for people. So uh, we'd need to attract a very large audience. Who, it would be more of getting a higher volume of people in, in order to make that a reality. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, I'm working with one gentleman named Neil. Uh, he is... Uh, known on Twitter as the 604 Atheist. Um, we uh, both are uh, uh, blood donators. He's uh, blood donors. He's donated a lot more than I have because he's been doing it a lot longer. And uh, he also does it to honor his father, who is, uh, some, uh, is a record holder of some sort in blood donation mm. here in Canada. And he's... Um, Uh, So uh, he's our community advocate, and he's trying to to bring more activities in like this. And he and I have been talking about the possible future with that. We're also looking at putting together a a call-in program, a live call-in program, uh, similar to the Atheist Experience, which is excellent, wonderful uh, inspiration. It's, it's. uh, I don't know. I'm sure you're familiar with that show with with Matt Dillahunty and friends, and they're they put, (laughs) yeah, they. They put on a, a really high quality program. It's uh, it's excellent, and there's Talk Heathen, which is a spinoff from there. And as I understand it, there's some others as well that are also quite good. So um, we're uh, looking at uh, doing this here in Canada, and uh, being um, uh, a Canadian show that's doing um, a lot of the same kind of program that those ones are, because it seems that there is demand for it. Oh, please there tell are me people you who have, want to see it. Please <laughs> tell me you have a vision of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Doing an atheist calling show. <laughs> oh wow! Well, <laughs> that that would be um, that that's famous Canadian uh, history there. That uh, I think uh, uh, has been slowly replaced, being replaced by the Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> first time I saw that show, my wife and I, we thought it was a documentary. And we were watching the first episode, and oh, it's this, and then. After a bit, we realized, okay, this guy's always got this rum and coke in his hand, and it, he drinks from it, but it never changes the, the from the half line. I wonder if... Uh, and then we realized, oh, this is just a comedy show of some yeah, sort. Exactly. <laughs> it's very entertaining. Actually, the, uh, I'm dating myself here, but I, I believe that, that that guy first started with uh, Benny Hill. He used to have a drink in his hand, but the drink would always change. It would fill up more and more as he drank from it. <laughs> it would be more and more. Oh, they, I, I've seen a little bit of Benny Hill. So I, I didn't realize that I'll have to watch for that next time I see one of his shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there was always a gag like that. There was, a, there was another show, I remember, the cop walked in and she had a hat. And the hat, every scene she's in, the hat is bigger and bigger and bigger. She's one of those sheriffs. <laughs> it's just hilarious stuff. Anyway. Uh, comedians <laughs> that put in those, include those kinds of subtleties are, are brilliant, usually. I, yes. absolutely, I absolutely agree. Uh, Randall, thank you so much for coming on the show today and explaining all this to us. Uh, is Maybe in the final words, maybe as the president of Canadian atheists, not just for Canadian atheists, but for atheists all over the world. Uh, what message would you like to send out there for people that are listening within the sound of your voice here and they hear the the, uh, the show today? Is there, is there a message of hope or anything like that you'd like to send them? Hope, I think, is um, Nietzsche has some good perspective on hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it, uh, to a degree, I agree with uh, Nietzsche that it uh, prolongs the torments of, of humans. Um, it uh, I think uh, it's very important for a message for people to come away with uh, um, for themselves is that uh, being an atheist is normal. We're born this way, and it is uh, there. 
there's no reason to accept anybody vilifying it. And when somebody vilifies, you know, let them say their piece, freedom of expression and all that, and then exercise your right to freedom of expression and counter their vilification efforts. Yes. And, you know, and keep in mind that being an atheist is a normal thing. It is normal to not believe something. There's all kinds of things we don't believe in life. And uh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of people in the world don't believe in the Marklar on planet Marklar, if you get the South Park reference there. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, and that's normal too. You know, there, there's no reason to, to not um, to take it as, as an abnormality. One thing we're also promoting is this that the proper standard definition of atheism being the classification of absence of belief in deities. And, and I use the word absence rather than lack, because lack to me implies that something's missing. Yeah, I agree. And mm. absence is more uh, neutral in this, in just saying it's not there. Um, and there, there's different ways people use different words. Uh, and then people will say, well, what about people who believe there are no deities? Well, that's the anti-theistic position, anti-theism, which is also polysemic, and there's different ways people use it. Some people mean it in an anti-religious way specifically, and um, well, I'm finding more and more people are just seeing it as taking a position there's no deities. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when you take a position that there are no deities, you carry automatically an onus of proof or a burden of proof because you've made a claim, even though it's a negative claim. That's right. um, and it's at the opposite end of the spectrum of the belief spectrum uh, of a theist who believes in deities. Uh, so the anti-prefix denoting opposite, whereas A denotes absence. You're not even taking a position on this. So you don't have any burden, no onus to prove anything because you've not made a claim. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. That's a normal way to go through life. That is nothing to not be proud of. That is nothing to be proud of it's just a classification the characteristic of who we are we don't believe in deities period I think that's such an awesome yeah. way of putting so, it Absolutely. so if people want to join Canadian atheists what do they do they can go onto our website at www.canadianatheists.ca or .com they both go to the same place um, in case it makes it easier for people to remember and uh, that's plural Canadian atheists and we, uh, uh, you can click on the membership link, and uh, we have options for donations or for signing up for membership. And uh, we value all of our members and appreciate all the support we get. Uh, and if also, if you wanted to know a little bit more about atheism, the definition, we write about that there. And uh, we link to a website called defineatheism.com, which goes into great detail, the history, the etymology, um, goes into linguistic structure, it goes into logical argumentation for it, includes references, some of which are academic and even encyclopedic. Um, so it's, it's all very well laid out there. So those are two websites I would recommend you take a look at, defineatheism.com and also canadianatheists.ca. Perfect. Randall, thank you so much for joining us today. Before I let you go, i got to have you say, hey, this is Randolph Richardson from Canadian Atheists, and I took a left of the valley. I took a left of the valley? Okay. Hi, I'm Randolph Richardson. I am from the Canadian Atheists, and I took a left at the valley. And that
that was Mr. Randolph Richardson of Canadian Atheist. How eloquent is this fella? Oh, Fantastic. man. Yeah, he's oh. at the top of the eloquent list. I almost wanted to call him doctor just because. Yeah. You know? like, oh my yeah. God. like, we give you an honorary, honorary doctorate, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I'm, I'm uh, I did not know much about Canadian atheists. I mean, I know I, I frequent their Facebook page and all that, and I post the shows and uh, Canadian atheists and all that stuff. Um, I did not know much about their activity, but I'm glad to see that he is uh, active and uh, getting bigger and bigger. And I think it's a, it's a good thing. And I also, like you said, Nancy, I really like the approach, the low key approach to mm-hmm. making, as compared to some of our uh, southern cousins, where they yeah. been, well, I, Americans have always been a bit more bombastic. Yeah, that, that, it's really that was the Canadian way. Yeah, yeah, you're reading my mind about the bombastic. Maybe it's because the American atheists feel as though they're fighting against. But they are. Yeah, and they. Are. So they they have a, a much more um, uh, vigorous pressing. way. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, the the battle pressing. against the religious faction yeah. in the state it is much more pressing than it is up here. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we live in Ab- for our listeners know this, but we live in Abbotsford, which is of course the Bible Belt of the of, of Canada. But it's nowhere near what you guys no. face in Oklahoma or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't fear my life walking through the mall with my wife. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll get the occasional look, but that's about it, right? Yeah. I mean. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, that story. Remember that story when uh, Peter Bogosian came up here, and uh, this was years ago. And uh, I told the story before, but I'll tell it again for the benefit of our listeners. Peter Bogosian was supposed to. We brought him up here years ago, and he was supposed to give a lecture. And he sat to the very back of the auditorium. And I went and sat with him. I said, "Peter, are you okay?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "He says, yeah, actually, I am. I'm great." And he got up and he went back downstairs and sat up to the very front row. I said, well, that was just weird. So I went back downstairs and followed him. I said, what was that all about? He says, you know what? He says, whenever I do a lecture, I'm always, in, in the States, I'm always concerned I'm going to be hit in the back of the head with a two-by-four by by some crazy religious fanatic in the States. But he says, for the first time, I'm up here in Canada, and I don't, I, I'm not worried. That's why he sat back up there against the wall, right? And Can't he said, for on. the first time, I'm not worried about this at all in mm-hmm. Canada. He says, no, I don't think anything like that's going to happen. And I told him, I'd be incredibly surprised if I Anything close yeah. to that would happen. Yeah. yeah, I'd be surprised if anything would throw anybody would throw a tomato at you at this point. Says yeah. no, you you might have some discussions here and there, and it's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, a question: Are either one of you surprised that Canadian atheists is a fairly new group? Would you have expected this group to have been formed a while ago? No, I don't think so. No? I'm not surprised not really. because, like I said, the. the, the Although the we said in the interview there is a, a resurgence from the conservative mm-hmm. to try to bring up, but you know, let's face it, right? It's like like in the United States, l- let's take abortion for example. It's always on the mind of people. Mm-hmm. It's always an, an, an actual political hot potato. If a politician up here comes up and says, "Yeah, I'm gonna re, we're gonna redebate," uh, even if conservative, you go, "We're gonna redebate abortion." You just committed political suicide. You're yeah. done. You are done. This this is settled. This is actually settled. Even a conservative leader will not state out loud he will he will redebate abortion. They won't do that. What they will do, which is exactly what the uh, last guy did, Andrew Shear, mm-hmm. he'll say, "No, I won't debate it, but I won't stop the backbenchers from bringing it up." That's how they get around it, and that's how they're trying to bring it back. So it's nowhere near as staunch conservative as it is down in the States, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why. You know, I, I think I think Canadian Atheist, it's a good organization, and it's there you know, to keep an eye on things, really, but it's nowhere near the battle that they have in the States. Yeah, no, Goodness, it's not no. a battle. Yeah, it's nowhere near that. So that's that's always good to know 
for our listeners and you know it brings us hope as well yeah yeah good I'm glad uh, our listeners now have have uh, another really good podcast to tune into yeah. and maybe a call in maybe eventually we'll, we'll see so thank you so much for being on the show today and thank you to Randolph Richardson for being our guest and thank you for listening you can follow us at leftofthevalue.com you can follow us at uh, on Facebook on Twitter at LETV Podcast you can uh, send us an email at left at valley at outlook.com send your complaints to Nancy on the ground floor now <laughs> beware of the incoming knife um, <laughs> you can give us a five star review where you find us it helps us and helps others find the show or you can be like our friends Adrian and Freethinker215 and become a patron and support our efforts at patreon slash LATV and if you really love us you can send us a snow shovel <laughs> <laughs> might need it at this point am I missing anything I don't think alright so let's see what we got coming up uh, where's my schedule alright so next week we'll be talking to Janice Selby we talked about the conference that's happening in April with Dr. Del Rey she'll be the, uh, talking about that for more we'll have Jason Hennerfield Jason Hennerfield of Sensibly, from Sensibly Speaking in February we'll also have Chris Shelton we'll be speaking about Scientology Oh. That's what we got on the, uh, the schedule so far. So I need to get I need to get some more guests here. <laughs> We're running low on guests already. No matter. It sounds like it's going to be a busy year. Uh, Any of our listeners want to be a guest? You got something to say? You want to join the crazies up here in Abbotsford? Come on, <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd love to have you. Oh, good, perfect. Anything else I need to add? Stay safe driving out there. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Until next time. So, where, where are you calling from, Randall? What city? Uh, well, you called me, but uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, That's I'm, below, true. That's I'm below the water level. And I'm below the water level. I'm here in uh, Richmond, British Columbia. Oh, wow. you're, you're nearby. Yeah. I thought, I thought for some reason you were in Ontario. Yeah, we thought you were in the East. We're in Abbotsford. Oh, big stuff happens here, too. <laughs> like the uh, Left of the Valley show, for example. Ooh, yeah. yes, I know. I've heard, it, I've heard of that, but I try to avoid it <laughs> when I can. <laughs> hey, supposed to be proud of the little work we do. <laughs> Now let me take a second, me and it sounds so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful The thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them? Fuck that The system is broke I'm working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers And they're all in God's name And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be a